0: Welcome to another episode of On The Mic. I'm your host, Danny Osman, and my guest today is cartoonist Sunny Liu. He's won three Eisner Awards for his graphic novel, The Art of Charlie chan Hok Chai, one of them being the prize for Best Writer. We talked about his current projects, his journey into comics, and his views on being an artist in Singapore. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi Sunny, how are you? Pretty good. How are you, Danny? I'm good. I'm good. Uh what's been keeping you busy these days?
1: Uh well I've recently been finishing up finishing up a book with uh Sharon George. Uh it's a book called Red Lines, and it's essentially about cartoon censorship around the world.
0: And uh what what inspired this work?
1: Uh well Sharon you know, Chary is a media scholar, so he's been interested in Different kinds of censorship, uh, I think, throughout his whole career. And I think for this book, he wanted to focus on cartoons, especially as a way to illuminate uh, different kinds of censorship. Uh, you know, both very traditional kind of like uh, fines and being jailed or being tortured, to the ones uh, which are more subtle, like financial mm-hmm. pressures.
0: Yeah, okay. uh, is is Singapore in there as well?
1: Yes, there's a chapter uh, about his and my own experiences facing censorship. <laughs>
0: So, are you providing illustrations for the book, or is it going to be in a more graphic novel kind of format?
1: So it's sort of a weird. Um, it is a graphic novel in a sense, like it's a lot of illustrations, but it's not done in my usual style, right? Because okay. uh, it's it's more of a I would call it a, a sort of a zine approach, where right. it's more of a collage looking thing, okay. rather than uh, a lot of drawings.
0: Right, right. And and what what was your interest in coming onto this project? Did he approach you, or were you? Did you suggest? Yeah, it to
1: yeah. Sharon uh, reached out to me, I think, and uh, I guess it's something that I'm interested in as well—not just because it's cartoons, but also the whole idea of uh, censorship. You know, uh, I think the issue of uh, freedom of speech versus uh, constraints on those things—it's uh, an interesting topic. And I was happy to work with him uh, to try to, you know, make this book a bit different.
0: And just to touch on the pandemic, um, has it affected the work you've been doing?
1: Uh, in terms of the impact, not, not so much in terms of the work itself, because uh, to be honest, most of my work was done in, in the studio anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm working on a computer most of the time. Right. And a lot of my uh, contact is through email or WhatsApp or, or Skype. Um, the main impact would have been having to move out of the studio at uh, Goodman Art Center during the, the circuit breaker, because they, they shut the whole thing down. So I had to move everything back home. Uh, so th- that was um, the most ideal like situation to be in. Um, but yeah, aside from that not that big a dis- disruption, I think yeah.
0: So right now, are you still doing illustrations for the bigger publishers like um, Marvel and DC and so on? Uh,
1: not not right now because, uh, like I said I've been working on a book with Charion okay. and I'm planning to spend the next <laughs> at least a year, maybe more, doing my next graphic novel, so I- I'm working on my own project rather than something that's uh, for, you know, DC and Marvel
0: And is there anything you can tell us about what this next project is going to be about?
1: Um, I've been telling people for quite a while
0: it's going to be about
1: capitalism. Right. Uh, But uh, I haven't quite uh, figured out exactly what the narrative structure, etc. is going to be like. So that's what I'll spend the next few weeks or maybe months figuring out, I think.
0: Okay. Uh, Any sense of whether it's going to be like, uh, are you going to approach it from Singapore, looking out to the rest of the world? or taking a, I don't know, futuristic, dystopian kind of approach? Anything like that?
1: I would say it's probably going to be more of a multi-perspective kind of thing. Okay. Right. So so not not, not maybe Singapore could be in there, but it wouldn't be Singapore-centric. And you'll probably feature several protagonists uh, right. to try to t- tell a more comprehensive story.
0: And what inspired you to want to write about um, capitalism? Like it's such a huge topic to try and cover in a single comic or graphic novel.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably the same thing that made me want to do Charlie Chan uh, you know five, six, seven years ago, which is that uh, you know, Singapore history was something that I was always interested in, but didn't quite know enough about. Um, and I thought the project would be a chance for me to learn more about the subject and having done that, try to tell what I learned in an interesting format or interesting way. Mm-hmm. So I think the same applies for you know this big capitalism, yeah. which uh, involves a lot of issues and concepts that I, I've, uh, I don't have the firmest grasp of, I would say. Yeah. Right, And I think that this is a chance for me to try to learn those things, yeah. uh, figure things out and, and understand them a bit better. And as far as that's possible, uh, then go on to do a book that maybe can convey those thoughts and ideas uh, in an interesting way.
0: Yeah. Is, is that your process? Usually you, you think of something that you're interested in finding out more about and then you go and research it rather than, I've read this already and I would like to do something on it.
1: Mm, it... It, it depends on the kind of project, right? If it's just a short story, it could be about anything. I think mm-hmm. uh, So I, it really depends on the, the kind of project. But for like a longer narrative, like Charlie Chan or this book... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anyone knows enough to do a three hundred page book uh, from yeah. scratch uh, from what they
0: already know. So,
1: um, I think any, any long form book will probably require quite a bit of research. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is was there is there anything about particular about like what you see in terms of capitalism today that inspired you to want to like look into the topic?
1: I mean, I would say that I am personally probably more left of center, left leaning in, in my views. Mm-hmm. Um, you know but, but it's I think maybe it's too easy to just uh repeat you know th- those arguments without uh, looking deeply at them right so I, what I'm trying to do here I guess is research enough to try to understand the you know the other side <laughs> first and try to present a view that's uh you know not just preaching to the choir but trying to incorporate uh more m- multiple viewpoints maybe.
0: Yeah. And your work tends to touch on things like social issues and politics. Um, do you see yourself as a kind of commentator in these areas, or do you consider yourself just an artist uh, representing what you see going on around you?
1: Um, probably more the latter, right? Cause I, yeah, I, I, I don't see myself as being an academic uh, in that sense, or. A social commentator. I, I think I come from it more as a, a cartoonist uh, who is interested in certain topics, and I try to uh, do comics about those things.
0: Yeah. And, and and do you see any kind of like common themes that run through your work since you've been since your earlier days of like a Malinky Robot all the way till now?
1: Well, I, I guess my first comic was actually Frankie and Pooh way back oh, in yes. the '93 yeah. or whatever it was for the new paper. and, and that was quite political in nature, I would say, mm-hmm. or, or polit- politically engaged. So there is a threat, uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Although in between, of course, I've done other work for you know, other publishers where I was primarily the primarily the illustrator. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, there are I've done different projects that are also not very politically uh involved. Uh yeah, so so maybe my personal work, yes. But even, even then with Mikey Robot it wasn't that political in nature so i, I would say th- there are some common threads, but um also divergences as well yeah
0: right okay and 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 just uh our curiosity as an artist you're you're an illustrator you're a letterer you're a colorist and a writer is, is that pretty unique in the industry like someone who's multifaceted that way
1: uh, I'm not sure I call myself a letterer per se, because I oh. tend to use existing fonts, uh, okay. like digital fonts that I find right. that I that work rather than yeah. actually lettering and yeah. creating my uh, own fonts. Yeah. I only
0: mentioned it because you uh, were up for a lettering award for the Eisners, right? Yeah, that's a yes. bit odd. I think it's more like lettering
1: choices. Okay, <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> lettering okay. per se.
1: Um, but I think it's more common if you're looking at... Uh, what you call India or alternative comics. Mm-hmm. So because okay. if you're working for a mainstream publisher, uh, the time constraints uh, necessitate that someone has to take care of different parts of the job, right? So mm-hmm. you have a lecturer, inker, uh, mm-hmm. cover artist sometimes. Whereas if you're doing your own book, uh, I think most people tend to do several uh, different things, uh, maybe all of them at the same time. So people like Chris Ware, mm-hmm. for example, I think does everything himself. Uh, okay. you know, Daniel Clovers.
0: Yeah. Mm. And uh, what's that? Do you, do you find um, which do you kind of like lean towards more being an independent kind of producer or like working for the the bigger guys in the game?
1: I think I'm torn between the two. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, like yeah. uh, some part of me would love to become to draw a lot of like Batman, Superman all the time. Okay. Um But at the same time, another part of me wants to do my own personal independent comics. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think my, my career sort of reflects that, right? So I've I've done some mainstream work and some personal work. Uh, given a choice, I suppose I want to get to a stage where the two things can come together. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they will allow me to do my own Batman story and yeah, no constraints whatsoever. Okay, but I, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon.
0: Do you, do you think? I mean, you you might be actually getting closer to that because now that you've, I mean, you're an Eisner Award winning. Mm-hmm. comic book um artist and writer do you think that if they increase like maybe cloud, they will let you at some point get onto the titles that you want
1: closer maybe but uh yeah. I, I think it's, it's a gradual process yeah. rather than a you know like a quantum leap or something yeah. like that so it's it's a still a gradual process for me and, and I, I did talk to dc about doing something i think a couple of years ago but okay. it, it uh, you know, there are obviously a lot of complications in, in getting those things right. through.
0: So what's your dream job right now in terms of like um, the character or the title that you like to write or illustrate for? Mm. Probably a tough <sighs> one, right? It's probably a whole list.
1: No, I I, I, have, I have an idea, but it's, it's also connected connected to the book I'm doing, so I'm going to maybe not, not answer it at the moment.
0: So while you're known as a more independent kind of comic creator, um, were you ever into the more mainstream kind of stuff? Uh, what, what kind of comics do you read when you're growing up?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, as a kid, I, I used to love Spider-Man and Batman, a little mm-hmm. a bit less, but mainly Spider-Man and Batman.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom McFarlane era. Yeah.
1: And and, and really, known, actually, mine was a bit earlier. Mine was... Uh, when I started reading comics, Comics like when I went to my first comic shop, mm-hmm. I actually re- picked up things like Sandman and... Uh, right,
0: okay.
1: Uh, even... What was the other comic? It was... Uh, I can't remember the titles now. <laughs> Probably The Shadow. The Shadow by... Uh, Carl uh, Baker and Andrew Helfer. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I will say that right now I probably appreciate the craft of mainstream comics more than I read them for uh, what they are. Like mm-hmm. I, I I I'm more engaged with the independent stuff. Okay. But I can always pick up a mainstream comic and really admire the craft, the writing, yeah. the drawings, and and everything else.
0: And since you put out Charlie Chan um, five years ago. How well known would you say you've become since then, um, whether it's in the local art circles or internationally?
1: I, I suppose locally, it's a book that I'm best known for, um, and I, I do run into people who, who know of the book, you know, mm-hmm. quite often. Uh, internationally, it's probably still, you know, like a, a, any other or most independent comics is a bit niche, mm-hmm. but I, I was, I will. I mean, it, it has been translated into quite a few languages mm. and, and done well in a few countries. Okay. Uh, and and I suppose if you look at serious comic fans, that they, they would know of the book maybe overseas. Mm-hmm. But but I I really couldn't quantify exactly how well known it is. You know, it's definitely not um, Sandman okay. <laughs> level of yeah. of awareness, but yeah. it's a, uh, it's I, I guess there is some at least critical awareness of it overseas. Yeah.
0: Do you think non-Singaporean readers would also get what you're, get uh, the nuances of what you're trying to say? Since it's a very Singapore kind of specific story, right?
1: I I think I think most people do get it. I, I think they 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 understand like any every country would have a to some level a contestation between the mainstream and you can call it revisionist mm-hmm. uh, narratives about history, for example, mm-hmm. right? So I I think that they, they, they recognize that. Struggle and that tension, even though it's not their particular right. uh history okay um so I, I think that those kinds of tensions exist everywhere, and they will probably be able to recognize that uh, aside from being you know learning about another country's history as well on top of that
0: what what about for the local readers? Do you get a lot of young people younger people telling you that we didn't have no idea this was a part of our history
1: um it's hard to say but most, most of the time I get like, the, the really young kids who are like mm-hmm. uh, re- reading the book the parents come up to me and say oh, they really love the, the book they had read it several times mm-hmm. but I, I don't actually I don't remember having engaged uh, in a conversation about what they learned from it <laughs> per
0: okay. se uh, what's the most flattering thing you've heard about the comic
1: well I I, I guess I w- wouldn't call it the most flattering thing but mm-hmm. um, I've had I guess historians or people who are you know in in into history come to come up to me or at least mm-hmm. are a feedback saying that they they feel like the historical uh, analysis is, is accurate. Okay. Right. So I I think that that's uh, that was one big thing that we that uh, myself the editor and the publisher we were all trying to make sure was there. Right. Make sure mm-hmm. that our uh, research was was sound. Right. Um. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the big things and. Yeah, and I guess um, I, I didn't expect younger kids to be able to access it. So, okay. having parents tell, tell kids as young as uh, 12 or even like 10, you know, enjoying the book at some level uh, has been very uh, heartening. Yeah.
0: And when it comes to producing a work that's um, based in history or has to do with very grounded real world issues like uh, capitalism, how do you strike a balance between accuracy and artistic interpretation?
1: Um, I mean, I, I, for example, in Charlie Chan, I think quite a few things are trolled through almost allegorical uh, narratives. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think it's, so in that sense, you can fictionalize events and, and characters, but the underlying narrative, I think it has to be accurate, right? So mm-hmm. no, no matter what your fictional skin or uh, um, is, you have to make sure that the facts or the ideas you're conveying are accurate or at least can be defended, uh, you know, so, yeah, oh. I mean, it, 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 it would have to be a more detailed question in context to answer specifically, but I think that, that, would, that would be the general gist of it, yeah. Uh,
0: I'm just asking generally because sometimes if, mm. let's say, I watch a biopic, I wonder how much is fictionalized for the sake of making it entertaining, making it making the story move um, forward mm, and giving mm, it mm. life as <clears throat> opposed to sometimes the plain facts can be rather flat and dull and maybe some things don't turn out the way you want them to narratively?
1: Right. So in in that sense, I think if I was doing a book or a story like that, I I would keep the uh, facts accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I... Departures for narrative needs, I I would avoid. But Mm -hmm. I think that's partly what made Charlie Chan able to do both was that there was a fictional layer of mm-hmm. a comic comic creator um, over the historical narrative, right? So I, I kept the historical narrative accurate, but I could invent things mm-hmm. uh, on the fictional layer. So I think that's what kept it uh, a, a lot of that kind of different approach on, on those two levels, as opposed to a biopic, which is supposed to be an accurate depiction of someone's life, for example, yeah. right? But then when they take liberties, that's when you have, you have issues.
0: Any other historical periods like around the world that you might be wanting to look at sometime down the road?
1: Uh, Well, in in the Singapore context, I I think I'm doing a project that's not comics per se, uh, that will be about, uh, you know, Raffles arrival and, and sort of the colonial period.
0: And considering all the success that Charlie Chan has seen, do you feel you're under a lot of pressure for your next work to do just as well?
1: I would say there is some pressure in the sense that uh, I would like to do a book that is at least as interesting as Charlie Chan mm-hmm. uh, while trying to avoid doing the same things that I did in, in that book, right, in terms of the, the formal or narrative structures, mm-hmm. uh, which is tricky because I, I think I I poured a lot of what I knew into that book. So I, I, I part of the reason why it's taken so long to do a new book is I've I've had to, in a way learn new things or even reboot my brain a little bit to uh, be able to approach this new book hopefully in, in, in a new way, right? So I think there's pressure there to, on myself, I think, to uh, be able to do those things at the same time, right? To make it as interesting, but yet different. Um, and, and that's, you know, kind of, kind of pressure, kind of challenge. I'm not sure how exactly to describe it, really.
0: Do you think you'd ever try a different kind of writing, like say novels or short stories?
1: Unlikely, unlikely to. I think. Uh, I think my my skill set is the like the uh <coughs> sorry the combination of words and images rather than any of either one alone probably.
0: And for listeners who aren't so familiar with your background, um, could you tell us a bit uh more about how you got started in writing comics? Um, what was the first thing that you read that made you think, hey, I want to pursue this as a career?
1: Um, the first comic I think that made me have an inkling of wanting to do comics was probably uh, 2080, right? The British comic uh, mm, okay. from, yeah. from from the UK, uh, well, obviously UK, uh, with Judge Dredd. I think right. part, of, part of the reason was that it was maybe a bit more adult, like it wasn't adult-adult, but it was a departure from like Richie Rich and mm-hmm. Archie that I read uh, when I was younger, right? right? And, and combining the fact that they would have Five stories per week, mm-hmm. uh, all of which were have very different art styles, and uh, I think maybe we started to open my mind up to the fact that the medium was very uh, open ended. Like you could do a lot with comics, as opposed mm-hmm. to reading like a, an, an an Archie, where it was the same characters in the similar art style throughout the whole book. Uh, so I, I think even probably at the unconscious level, I was beginning to see that comics could be a interesting medium at that point in time. Um, and then later on, there was probably Calvin and Hobbes as well. Okay. So Sandman, things like that. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was, it was a, I wouldn't say there was one particular yeah. book. It was more, more of a gradual process that, that made me uh, interested in, in the medium. And yeah. of course, doing the, that, that, that strip for the new paper was uh, the, the main catalyst because I, I really enjoyed the whole
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, process of creating comics, drawing, writing, and getting getting it maybe read by some people.
0: And that TNP comic strip that you were doing, um, was that before or after you entered the Rhode Island School of Design?
1: Oh, that was before. So that, that was actually what prompted me to want to go to art school right, in the okay. first place. Because I've, I've been, uh, I, I guess you could call it self-taught and you know, mm-hmm. had, had, didn't really know much about art uh, till, till I went to art school.
0: Were, were there any local artists or at the time that it might have inspired you or anything like that?
1: Um maybe not exactly in terms of the uh, the actual books books or comics that they mm-hmm. did, but in terms of um how do I put it, in terms of actually being willing to work and produce books and work at comics, uh I, I think I remember reading articles about people like Colin Gold and Eric Cool mm-hmm. back then, right? Mm-hmm. So Orchard Road and his uh, collection of books by Eric Cool called Unfortunate Stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think those were the two things that I can remember from from back then.
0: And when you got to Rhode Island, did you find that there was now a higher set of standards set uh, in terms of the quality of your work? Was was it difficult to go from being a self-taught artist to then being in art school?
1: It it was tough in the sense that I wanted to learn to do things like paint and and learn about colour. And uh, having never done any of those things before, uh I remember I remember when I went and took the painting class, mm-hmm. the first lesson or the first our uh, first assignment was to paint uh, still life and, and you know bring you into class. And no one could tell what I was trying to paint. <laughs> okay. It was uh, quite quite uh quite traumatic. Mm-hmm. But uh so 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 that, that that learning curve of learning to the new medium in painting colours, everything was, was quite a steep curve for me. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah. But in, in terms of um being in art school, it actually felt like I was where I, I want to say where I belong, but where I felt comfortable, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, being in art school was almost like not being in school at all because all the assignments were drawing, painting, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, so it felt like I was like just not doing homework all the time, even when I was doing homework. Uh, yeah, so for me, art school was sort of the best school that I've been to Okay. <laughs> uh, throughout my life. yeah.
0: And how did you feel once you scored that um, first comic book job? Did it feel like you you were on your way to fulfilling your dreams?
1: I, I think you think you tend to think that when you're young, right? But yeah. I think ev every, every every thing you you do you think it's gonna be like the next big thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So even Frankie and Pooh for a new paper when I was doing it, I felt really excited about the whole process. Yes. Uh so yeah, I I think uh, th- there is that kind of uh excitement and idealism of youth that, okay. that does make you believe that everything
0: you do is gonna be uh,
1: you know, <laughs> a big success. <laughs> yeah.
0: But do you still feel that way? I mean, you have achieved a fair amount of success in your field. Uh,
1: in a way, but I I suppose it's been a little bit. Uh, I mean, when when your dreams kind of like meet reality, you sort mm-hmm. of learn uh, that, that there are limits sometimes.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and so I think I'm I'm probably more aware of the constraints of the industry of of various factors, you know, out there. Um, but but yeah, at some level, I think I still retain the. To hope that you know my next project is going to be you know at least as successful as Charlie Chan or it, it will be something different, right? Uh, so even if not in terms of actual commercial success, that at least I feel like I'm doing something that's formally interesting, yeah, within the medium.
0: And do you feel like you're living the dream right now, considering that you're making art for a living?
1: Yeah, as as I think at most levels, I I'm uh, aware of that. Right. Okay. Sometimes, of course, if you like any other artist or any other creator, you will feel. Um, you'll get uh, you 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 wonder if things will be different mm-hmm. I suppose, for for and, and various uh in various aspects of the career. But in general, yes, I I am very uh grateful to have been given the chance to do what I'm doing now.
0: Any idea what you might have become if you didn't go into comics?
1: The only thing I could really think of is I might have been working in the book industry because I remember mm. I I did actually try to get uh work and MPH at some point. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and yeah. So I think I think I've been I've always been interested in books, okay. buying books, reading books, selling books, and uh, that might have been one one career path. Yeah.
0: Is, is there any worry about the future of the comic industry? Because uh, what what is the state of the industry right now, especially with the pandemic going on? I've read stuff about the comic book industry struggling, but are there like glimpses of hope, new opportunities, room more room for independent kind of producers?
1: Well, I I I really think it depends on who you're talking to. Because mm-hmm. I I would. Guess that something like Webtoons, for example, like digital comics, wouldn't mm-hmm. have suffered much during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Maybe have increased uh, readership even. Okay. Um, book sales, harder to say, probably has been affected uh, because you, you, for a while you couldn't go to bookstores, you couldn't have booked, you probably still can't have book events right now in Singapore mm-hmm. and, and many places. So, And, and I'm not sure if uh, online sales would have replaced uh, physical sales entirely. Mm-hmm. Would you,
0: uh would... Would you ever move from like mm. a physically printed book to just online kind of comics? I
1: would say it's unlikely because the mm-hmm. digital form is a little bit different from the book form, right? Mm-hmm. When you're doing a book, um, the, the thing you hold in your hand, the, the, word, the format of it, it does create a uh, certain kind of design mm. constraints or uh, design uh, elements that you will not have when you're doing digital comics. Right. Uh, so so the, the way you scroll through a, a digital comic is quite different from the way you read a a, a book. Mm-hmm. And and I think uh, my focus is more on the book form
0: than on the digital form
1: right. for the most part.
0: And mm-hmm. Do you feel like digital comics, they don't really pay attention to the covers and so on so much?
1: No, I, I think they do pay attention to how it scrolls, right? right. How it's read right. on, on a particular phone or iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess to me... It, it's sort of almost blurs the line between comics and animation a bit because it's more of a it's almost veering towards animation the, mm, the way the right. way that some of them are told uh, yeah and and it's not a it's only valid right that people are doing that. It's just that my particular interests are not in that direction i think okay
0: and as an artist in Singapore, um uh, what do you feel are some of your biggest challenges? I mean many here complain about the lack of government support and some would say there's a very small market for the arts in Singapore. How do you feel about these issues?
1: Uh, on those two things, if talking about a lack of support, I think the government does actually pour quite a bit of money into the arts here in mm-hmm. Singapore. Uh, the question is, like, what are the constraints of that, right? Yeah. Like, what do they not support in terms of the arts? And I think that that's, uh, you know, partly a question of censorship like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and constraints. Um, in terms of the readership here, It is partly true that the smaller population size does create a lack of uh, what I guess people call critical mass Mm -hmm. uh, in readership. But at the same time, I think it's also partly infrastructure, right? It's also Mm -hmm. how people think of comics or local art. And that can be changed, I think, if uh, the right things are in place. Um, Yeah, but but that's a long of conversation, I think. I'm not sure we can get too deep into that, yeah.
0: Well, maybe I could put it as just one question. Um, Which do you think is better? That governments um, support their local artists or that they get out of the way of the artists and allow them to express themselves as freely as they want? Is one approach better than the other or is it a matter of maybe combining the two?
1: Probably combining the two in in a sense that you want to support Mm -hmm. people in what, what they're saying, right? So it's not just getting out of the way, but... Being willing to have the, for example, the NEC be a much less of a stat board and much more of a arts organization mm-hmm. that supports artists uh, for doing art rather than um, being tied to the idea that, you know, there's a particular ideology that you have to uh, uh, adhere to mm-hmm. or, you know, probably subject you have to avoid. So I, I think, I do think it's probably. Both, in a sense.
0: And have you seen things um, changing over time? Uh, are artists today uh, in Singapore are more free to express themselves than before?
1: Uh, if you compare Singapore now probably to the 60s, 70s, then you probably say that there's more freedom nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I think the government has also, or the state, has developed uh, more subtle tools for control, mm-hmm. right? So... Uh, I, I think Charian calls it calibrated coercion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's it's very very interesting phrase. Okay. That uh, so so um, yeah. So I I think it's it's the, the, the more obvious forms of uh, censorship uh, have been have, uh, reduced, but I think there are new forms of censorship that are taking place that you know we that uh, artists now have to deal with. So I'm not sure how exactly how you would compare those two things. It, it's almost like like comparing. And athlete in different eras, mm. right? Uh, saying who is who is greater, who is who is better, it's uh, partly you know con- the context is a bit different, so it's not uh, easy to compare the two different time periods.
0: And in terms of your own work, um, do you feel that you successfully walk the line between being critical of the authorities while not getting into trouble with them? Um, here, I'm thinking about the. Comics you've posted on um Facebook about th- how the authorities have handled, say, the COVID nineteen pandemic, or the various carry catches you've done of um MPs or political figures.
1: Um, I I, I guess I I don't think of these things that I do in terms of uh whether I'm going to fall foul of censorship mm-hmm. or the rules. I I again I go back to the idea of accuracy in uh what what i'm saying right so i try to make sure that the comics i do are uh accurate mm-hmm. okay. right yeah. um I, I think and and once you do that again whatever else happens i i think that's kind of beyond your control but uh i have to make sure that i i do the research i i make sure that writing is is as uh accurate as possible within the while trying to be interesting and engaging and maybe even funny at the same time mm-hmm. but uh yeah i i think that that level of uh, willingness to approach the truth as yeah. you see it, I think it is, is, is what I work towards.
0: Yeah. That, that's quite a juggling act though, trying to be uh, <clears throat> accurate, funny, and um <laughs> that saying something insightful at the same time?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I always succeed, but it's something that I aim for at least.
0: Based on your experience, whatever kind of uh, successes you had and mistakes you made and all that, what, what would you advise someone who's starting in the comic industry in Singapore, who wants to join it, Like, what would you tell them?
1: <laughs> it depends on like, what the goals are, really. Mm-hmm. You know, It depends on whether they want to do stuff on Marvel and DC or whether they want to do indie comics. Mm-hmm. So it probably depends on, on their goals. Um, but the I, I guess a, a general rule would be trying to improve your craft, especially as you can. Because, mm-hmm. right? again, that's, that's that's the point, the only thing you really have control over, mm-hmm. which is uh, how well you can write or draw or any of the skill sets involved in making comics. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think I think if you, if you go out and do more sketching, more drawings, uh, do more stories, and figure out what good storytelling is, then th- that's that's a skill set that you can actually improve on. I think. Yeah. So I, I think I, I. So I, I would suggest if you work on your craft, I think that's the most important thing probably that,
0: that you can do. Mm. In terms of like how this pandemic has affected Singaporean artists and all that, do you think there is a there may be a silver lining to it? Like in terms of how it's gonna like force them to innovate, up the game, and so on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a tough one.
1: I, I I guess I'm seeing that most people are trying to move to more digital platforms, right? They're doing videos, they're doing mm-hmm. uh, live stream sessions, and all those things, which is probably true of uh, most other things that people are doing. Like we've been forced to accelerate the transition from. To the digital realm. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a good or bad thing, I don't know yet, right? Uh, maybe maybe real world stuff is actually what we should be focusing on in mm-hmm. the long term. But um, I, I guess at the very least, people are learning new, new skills <laughs> in the digital form. Uh, that, that's about, about all I can say about it, really.
0: <laughs> Do you feel that what you're doing comes from an era before the digital age?
1: I'm, I'm probably somewhere in between, right? I, I think I Cause so I remember, but my first comic was uh, for DC. We're still doing everything on paper. Mm. Everything was sent by FedEx, right? right? Okay. But uh, very, very quickly it became like all digital. A lot of stuff was just sent through email and internet. So, um, yeah. But I, I still have a uh, memories of the analog and. Uh, the old ways doing things. So I, I think I'm somewhere in between uh, the two eras, probably.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally feel thankful mm. that I grew up in the pre-internet generation. So I got to see both sides, you know. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, at the same time, av- avoiding the worst of it, which like when printing before digital pu- publishing mm-hmm. was really, really like uh, <laughs>
0: slow. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 of course. Okay, so before we go, um, do you want to tell us when your work with Sharon is going to be coming up?
1: Uh, Red Lines is going to be out in the first quarter of next year uh, from MIT Press.
0: Okay, that's great. All right, thank you very much, Danny, and thanks for being on the show. Okay, thanks, Danny. And that's all we have for this week's episode of On The Mic. The show is brought to you by Yahoo Singapore, and you can find us on ACAST, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We've got more great interviews coming your way really soon, so do stay tuned. Until next time, this is Dani Osman wishing you a great weekend.